0: Hello, and welcome to the Eastern Front. My name is Yulia Jozha. I'm with the Middle East Institute and Georgetown University, and I'm joined today by my colleagues.
1: Giselle Donnelly from the American Enterprise Institute and
2: Dal Beruhas, also from AEI.
1: On our
0: podcast, we talk about the many challenges to European peace that have emerged along a line running from the Baltic to the Black Sea, the Eastern Front, and about why those matter to the United Mm -hmm. States. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Um, before we um, start, um, we have um, as uh, a guest today, uh, former ambassador of Hungary to the United States, Andras Simoni, who is joining us today to talk about the Orban Putin connection and many other relevant issues on the Eastern Front. Um, but before we, we turn to Ambassador Simoni, um, Dalibor, the floor is yours.
2: Well, thank you so much, Julia, and I'm thrilled to welcome András to the the show. Um, There are many reasons for us to be excited about his presence. Uh, One reason is that he was actually trained as a transport economist, economist, so we can talk about road pricing and all kinds of interesting things. Um, Secondly, he uh, has been playing in a rock band that has featured Tony Blinken as as a as a guest guest star on guitar and vocals and thirdly he um even wrote a book about uh rock and roll music and the cold war it's called rocking toward a free world when the stratocaster beat the kalashnikov whatever stratocaster is be,
1: it's a guitar War. <laughs> if you'd oh, like me to hold one up, I'm able to do so.
2: That was, that was just a bait for you, <laughs> Giselle. <laughs> um, I took it. Well, um, Andras, I want to start with a simple question, which is one that um, I'm asking myself a lot and I get asked as well, which is, which is how do you account, how do you explain this, this strange affinity that the prime minister of Hungary, Viktor Orban, has for the regime of Vladimir Putin, uh, you know, in many ways Hungary and Poland get compared uh, for their you know social conservatism and 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 the sort of similar populist vibes that you get from their capitals. But but on this particular question, there is a world of difference between the Law and Justice Party and and Fidesz. And it also seems like it hasn't always been the case with with, with, with Hungarian center right or or national conservative center right that it would. Sort of look up to, to 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 Putin and Putin's regime. Yet there has been this very strange consistency over the past twelve years of Fidesz governments in, in in fostering deeper and deeper ties with with the Putin's regime, which hasn't even been overturned really by by the events of the past couple of weeks. So so so, how, how, where, where does this come from? You
3: know, uh, Viktor Orbán is is probably one of the strangest phenomena in uh, in European history. Uh, there, You have a young guy who in the 80s uh, was fighting the communist regime. He was the loudest, loudest uh, demandeurs of, uh, uh, for the Russians to leave, leave Hungary. Uh, I remember way, way back in the late 80s, uh, uh, the Russians complaining to the Hungarian authorities about Orban, crush him, put him in prison, take away his passport. And the Hungarian authorities at, by, at that time, rejected that and then you see a guy today who is uh who's demonstrating uh, demonstrating a, str- a strange deep love of uh, and respect for vladimir P- putin uh he might want to get out of uh out of this situation one way or another it will be very very hard but the bottom line is in in my view uh as strange as it might sound this is really a result of uh, Viktor Orban being in love with power and money. And perhaps his love of power and money is is stronger than his love of country.
1: Well, so that sort of suggests that, um, uh, you know, it's, it's not really a bond that uh, can endure difficult times. And g- given that Putin doesn't exactly at the moment look so powerful and that uh Russia's money supply is uh dwindling rapidly is there a scenario where you can imagine uh yet another uh twist of the uh, Orbán tale you know where he uh you know perhaps uh recognizes that the subordination of Hungarian national sentiment to Russian imperial sentiment Uh, Is a bad idea, and that Russian or Hungarian nationalism demands a break from. Well, that's a a
3: really good question. Uh, Hungary does not have a foreign policy; only Viktor Orban has a foreign policy. So he could uh, turn around as we speak and uh, go in the the opposite direction. Uh, the 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 fact is, uh, however, that Viktor Orban has maneuvered himself into a situation. When breaking a tie with Putin with Putin does not only depend entirely on uh, 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 Viktor Orban. So he, I don't think, in many ways, he is not a free man to decide. I think the bonds, the relationships, the depth of the relationship, all kind of things, uh, tying himself to. To Putin's uh, energy sector, uh, the, the 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 super super corrupt uh, oil and gas sector, the super super cor- corrupt uh, uh, nuclear uh, uh, sector, inviting uh, inviting a a a a, uh, um, a a Russian bank to be headquartered in Budapest, and everybody knows, and the average Hungarian knows it's a spy center for the Russians. So maybe he is not a free man any longer. But honestly, I do think that uh, he could turn around if he wants to. The question if if is, does he really want to? So.
0: Maybe to follow up on that, does he have Viktor Orban any incentive? You would have thought that the incentive would have been the invasion, but we've seen him playing... Um, uh, Hungary up as Russia's Trojan horse over the last four weeks within the EU, within NATO, to the extent that the West needs to seriously ask themselves the question what do we do with Hungary under Orban? Um, because they're basically blocking, they tried blocking sanctions and now they're blocking everything they can. And so the whole that we're talking about unity of the West is constantly undermined by this tiny, country and tiny man (laughs) that represents that country so how do we make sense of the incentives if they were absent so far what can the west do and what can orban do in terms of turning orban around
3: you know uh let's face it uh uh, Orban got this far in the relationship with Putin because uh, there were enablers in the West who, you know, who turned their heads away when they saw all this happening. And uh, let's be blunt and clear: Germany, Angela Merkel, was one of them. And uh, and and this is something people don't want to talk about. the the The, the, the way to do this is, you know, man up, man up. Uh, and 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 be tough on Viktor Orban. I don't see the toughness. I, I really don't need the, 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 see the toughness. There there are many similarities between Viktor Orban and uh, Vladimir Putin as per, as, as personalities. Uh, both of them only respect power. Both of them only respect uh, toughness. Both of them only respect uh, you know the language of the base, baseball bat. But I don't see that baseball bat uh, being swung by the West in any, any way, and uh, frankly speaking, I don't see the United States uh, having been firm enough uh, on Orban. I, I do believe consecutive consecutive administrations have discarded Orban as, you know, a nuisance, but not, not a big deal. While we have been telling why we have been telling uh the administrations, and it started with the Obama administration, continued with the Trump administration, and we say it we say it to this administration as well. Victor Orban and what Viktor Orban is doing is is kind of like cancer. It starts starts with a small spot on your skin, you disregard it, and by the time you start to treat it, uh it's way too late. And I just hope it's not too late frankly today only a surgery a major surgery a a a big operation will be ta- will 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 you know will uh take care of this this problem let's see what happens at the elections if Ob- orban keeps uh, keeps his position uh it's a totally different s- situation if the opposition wins it's 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 again a totally different situation we need to get back to this uh very very soon because Hungary has no space, Hungary has no reason uh, to be in the in the Russian sphere of influence, where it has uh, basically landed in the last couple of years.
2: It's a, it's a really interesting situation because you would think that uh, with the um, run up to the election um that 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 the ties to Putin would become a major political liability for Orban. So so a lot has been made of of a supposed U-turn by the Hungarian government on Russia in the immediate aftermath of the invasion. So so Hungary joined the sort of white you know condemnation of the invasion didn't block EU sanctions ultimately or or at least the, the, the ones that were on the on the table uh uh but at the same time you know he went to belgrade to hang out with 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 orban's closest friend in in, in serbia with, with with vucic he uh, said very openly that hungary would not allow for uh, for transfers of lethal aid to go through hungary into into ukraine um and even in a few days before the invasion, he was he was in Moscow begging for for larger larger gas supplies. So, so so he he didn't really he hasn't really made the U turn that we saw some other politicians perform. So he must clearly think that this is not a massive deal in the in the sort of in the in the in, 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 in the in the run up to the to the election. Uh, what would you so, so, so first of all, what, what do you what do you think of? his political calculus is in 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 this situation secondly um what would you tell to uh you know fides leaning hungarians who would tell you look uh it, it is the case that you know the germans are not really going out of their way to hold russia accountable why should a tiny nation in the middle of you know in the heart of europe be sticking out its it's had to, to to do so in their in their stead. And thirdly, um, how do you exactly see Hungary being sort of cauterized or, or, or sort of addressed as a, as a as a as a problem by the EU and and the Western Alliance? Should Orbán be reelected in on, on the third of April?
3: Um, okay. So you're asking a couple of couple of questions. Let's take the Poland-Hungary relation first. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's a natural relationship. I do think there is a split there. Uh, I, I kind of like to think that uh, the difference between uh, Kaczynski and, and Orban is that Kaczynski actually believes what he's saying. Orban does not believe this. Orban does not have an ideology. Kaczynski does. More importantly, uh, I, think, I think we have come to a breaking point between Poland and Hungary because the, the relationship with Russia could not, not be uh, more, more different. And I, I do believe that it is time for, for Europe to... Well, first of all, I, I do believe it has... It, I, I've always said this. It was a huge mistake to lump the two countries together, which has just made Orban stronger. And it was a mistake uh, by both the European Union and the United States to to, to, to uh, look at the countries as, as, as one group. Uh, the second thing uh, is... is um, is uh you know uh, okay i mean i don't think he has made a made a u turn this is not a u-turn uh at every at every juncture where uh where it really mattered to putin uh P- 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 orban has put down his foot i he was not able to stop uh the sanctions but honestly i don't think he believes that the sanctions are going to break putin i i don't think i don't think uh, when it when it comes to to critical critical issues Orban always comes down on the side of side of those who want a limited impact on the Russians. And he does not want to go all in. And then take the third thing that you mentioned, which is really, really important. To me, his visit to Vucic is at least suspect. Uh what in heaven's name was he doing in, in Serbia, if not to discuss how to break the sanctions regime?
1: I'd like to try one more time to hold at a small uh, ray of hope. (laughs) It does seem to me that Orbanism and the sort of broader Western, uh, you know, fling with national conservatism, if I could just use that as a catch-all phrase, only seems possible in the context of the holiday from history that's been happening over the last couple of years. I mean, Hungary is in NATO, so uh, you know, this is it, it allows naughty boys to be naughty to a certain degree without really very many consequences. But you know, to to bet that the Germans are, are have not really changed that they will continue. I mean, of course they're not ready tonight at midnight to give up Russian energy supplies and stuff like that, but it's quite within their capacity to, to wean themselves off of it, you know, in a fairly rapid way. So, you know, I, I, You know, there may not be a U-turn, but there may be sort of like a an ocean liner turning. Uh, And (laughs) this will require a lot of tugs to to really extend this metaphor beyond what it's uh, uh, capable of bearing to to guide these wayward uh, uh, politicians and countries sort of back toward the. A, a more natural course and you know i obviously i'm stipulating a level of american leadership and a level of european great power leadership that uh uh is a hope more than uh, an analysis but again just the, the the idea that that there's uh i i just cannot see these sort of nationalist types really willing to suffer very much for their posture
3: you know uh, okay, so f- f- first of all I, I I love your analogy because as a transportation economist, you know whatever ha- you, you know whenever <laughs> you know, shipping and, and big boats come up i I, I love that. But, you know, uh, the majority of Hungarians really don't like this love affair with, uh, with the Russians. And I, I don't think it's in, in, the, in the Hungarian population. I think, uh, I think uh, the, 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 the Hungarians who oppose this relationship are, are, are by far uh, a bigger number uh, than the ones who, who actually like this.
0: So do they have a chance to vote him down? To to let the opposition win based on that um, on the elections being taking place in one month into the invasion and based on oh, yeah. the, on what you said um, <laughs> that the majority um, opposed this relationship.
3: Uh, Orbán has been very. It, it's it's this is really interesting. Well, Orbán's uh, tact, tactics and and also strategy was to convince the Hungarian people that the opposition wants to draw Hungarian. Hungary into this war, and Orbán's strategy was that okay, I'm the one who keeps Hungary safe uh, because I'm keeping Hungary out of this war, and so that is why I'm playing this uh, game. But you know, trust me, trust me. At the end of the day, the opposition uh, is more dangerous than I am, and that you know, it it does work. Don't forget, the Hungarian media situation is not very different. Uh, from the mm-hmm. Russian media situation, where everything, everything is controlled by Viktor Orbán, like everything is controlled, all the ninety-five percent, or maybe even more, is, is is fully controlled by Vladimir Putin. So, uh, so and and you would you wouldn't believe this. It's a problem that nobody understands this beautiful Hungarian language of mine, uh, and nobody sees, nobody understands that. All you hear in in Hungarian television is Russian propaganda. So it's you know it's a very very tough it's a very tough situation, and I cannot give you an answer. But one thing is clear: that this situation has opened up a new possibility uh, for Viktor Orban to fall.
2: I I would really like encourage our listeners to to get on, on the internet and just use Google Translate to read through the stuff that's getting published in places like Madjar Nemzet or, or others. where really, like There was a piece yesterday which uh, painted this grotesque picture of you know, globalist networks conspiring to destroy the Hungarian nation and almost casually mentioned uh, direct military intervention as one of the tools in the toolbox of, of of these globalist networks referencing specifically 2014 and the Maidan in Ukraine. So so totally regurgitating. All we have to
1: do is listen to Fox Talivore.
2: <laughs> totally regurgitating a Russian propaganda. But 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 the thing I want to sort of stress here which Andras you alluded to is is really the role played in all of this by Western leadership, namely German and, and, and American leadership the um the appeal of this you know multi-vector foreign policy or whatever you want to call it uh i think is directly proportionate to the credibility with which orban and people like orban can argue that look we are a small country in the heart of europe uh you know germany is not really willing to hold putin accountable biden is being lethargic why should we you know, tiny nation, be sticking our heads out. Uh, once that argument is gone, I think then then it becomes unsustainable for him to be making that argument. But, but you know, like in the situation that we find ourselves currently in, I think there is still a lot of sort of you know leeway for him to make that argument.
3: I, I think you're. I, I think you're. You're perfectly right. If you look at look at the Hungarian foreign policy in the last uh, twelve years since Orban has been in power again. He, ever, he has never crossed the line that would uh, not be condoned by, by Germany. He was very, very careful. I would even go as far as saying he's always consulted the Germans on how far he could go. And in this respect, I got to tell you, he's a very, very shrewd and very, very, uh, you know, uh, very, very professional uh, uh, politician. Uh, and I repeat, and I agree with you the the situation might arise when germany uh, you know uh has a a face, uh, and then and then it's a totally totally uh different uh it's and then it will be a totally different situation it also very much depends on German industry. I want to see I want to see how German industry is is handling the sanctions how how brave and bold German industry is uh, you know following the sanctions regime because that will be indicative of uh, how far Viktor Orbán can go uh, but but you know I I want to I want to raise uh, a, an issue that uh, was was mentioned in the beginning thank you for mentioning my book thank you for me- mentioning rock and roll I also want to, you know, I'll I'll give you a I'll give you a a full tour of uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame if you want to, and I can explain what a Stratocaster is. Stratocaster is the most iconic American guitar, and I have one, and I have a red one uh, <laughs> that was played by by Jimi Hendrix, but joke aside i want to i want to say that in during the cold war while i was i was growing up rock and roll music was really my lifeline to the west it was the expression of of freedom freedom of expression it was a strong statement about democracy it is you know four or five guys standing on stage and they will say whatever they want. They play whatever they want. They play from their heart. They improvise. And it couldn't, it, there couldn't have been a stronger message of freedom. More importantly, there, that music, that culture, that attitude was brought to us through Voice of America, through Radio Free Europe, through the BBC. And I keep asking my, myself the question, what did we do wrong? Where is rock and roll? for russia in the last uh, 20 years why why is it that today it looks to me that russians are more isolated from the world than the way they were before the the age of internet why is it that they buy into this craziness of vladimir putin which even wouldn't have happened during uh, during the cold war and uh, there i i put a lot of blame on us on the United States and other Western Western powers abandoning the Russian people, abandoning the aban- abandoning the efforts to influence the hearts and minds of, of of Russians.
0: So, what does it take, from your perspective, to restate, um, to um, re-strategize? Um, gaining more hearts and minds. I I find your um, parallel between the Hungarian media and the Russian media interesting, and I'll add on to that um, with kind of a a bait for you, maybe. Um, Moldova, um, where the latest polls show that the majority of Moldovans are in favor of Putin during the war and not in favor of Ukraine, And why that is, is because they have been watching TV and um, the Russian TV is a lot more fun, a lot more entertaining. And then it's that 10% um, brainwash, but the rest of it just doesn't compare to anything the West or Romania next door in Romanian language in Moldova can put up in terms of budgeting for the regular citizen watching Western media is utterly boring and the messages don't come across neither. That's why the absolute majority in Central and Eastern Europe believed until the Russian invasion, even 36% in Poland, that Russian military might in military technology is more advanced than American. Um, that's because the Russians put out these messages. So, with that bait what can we do from the western side is it just taking money is it taking a certain message that that we have forgotten in order to reach hearts and minds across the region and particularly in Russia
3: good question uh first of all i don't believe these polls i don't i honestly i don't believe it i, I you know there's no uh I, I don't i don't think uh these are uh, these numbers are true more importantly don't forget uh most Moldovans are probably uh not honest about this because they do not believe the West will come to their help uh if Russia decides to invade, and therefore they shut up or they put on they put on a a false narrative which protects them just in case. Uh, so this is, this is the first thing. Uh, the second thing is, uh, I think it's a mindset. It's, you know, get over our complacency that we're so damn good, everybody wants to automatically follow us. And it's not just money. It's also money. But it's not just money. It's a mindset. It's a mindset, understanding that soft power and hard power together brought down communism. I don't think people understand that soft power is really not a not a soft concept. I think it's the worst name ever given to any concept. Soft power, it's a misnomer. It's just not the right way to explain a a a concept because if you if you ask me uh, what had a bigger impact in breaking communist power well, if it was the arms. Or if it was the uh, the example of the West of Western democracies, the longing for the West, I would I would say the latter had a bigger impact. And finally, what happened What happened in uh, during the Cold War is that Western soft power, Western culture, uh, rock and roll music, records, uh, blue jeans, products, all that broke the monopoly of uh, of, uh, of of communist ideology. And we have not been able, we have not been able and willing to develop a new concept, new tools for the soft power, so-called soft power toolbox uh, for the 21st century. And I think that has been a big, big mistake.
1: You know, um, it strikes me in this context that the Ukrainian war, is not simply a tragedy but a huge opportunity you could not ask for a clear example of people who are really willing to sacrifice to an extreme in pursuit not only of their own national independence but a dream of liberal western modernity rock and roll all the things andras that you were enumerating there so it just it reinforces for me the idea that it is so important for the Ukrainians and the West, not simply to win on the battlefield, although that's a necessary condition, but to really embrace a an independent post-war Ukraine in the whole system of the West, both the economic structures and the security structures.
3: I, I think I think you're you're right. And and by the way, without mentioning Ukraine, uh, all along this conversation was about Ukraine. This was about the war. This was about where Ukraine Ukraine wants to belong. It was about the concept the 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 concept of democracy versus dictatorship. All along, this was the conversation. And yes, the war in Ukraine is really the clash, if you want, of on the one hand. Uh, Genghis Khan, and on the other hand, let's face it, uh, the industrialized, uh, enlightened, uh, enlightened West. And I agree with you. The fascinating thing that I I I I have to I have to think that people have realized every single Ukrainian they ask, and I don't think they're just selecting. You know, they're just selecting the ones who are pro Western. Every single Ukrainian says that the existence of the country is tied to the to the way of life that has to be western and i i i, I what i see is this is an educated western looking english speaking population which really would like to not only would like to who sees their future who see their future uh, as part of the west and that is really what we need to appreciate. And this is really what we need to think about. How do we make this happen? And by the way, yes, there is always opportunity in crisis. When, when the war is over, because one, one day it will be over, the West has a responsibility and an interest in rebuilding Ukraine to be a modern, a, a prosperous, strong Western-style democracy, and I think it's totally, totally doable. I think that is the biggest threat to to the Russians. That is why they really are afraid of of, of Ukraine. But you know what? We have to do it, and if what well, cost what it costs, we will have to pay for uh, pay the price for that. Uh, and and it's not too early to start thinking about okay, how do we rebuild that country? How do we help Ukrainians? Uh, uh, rebuild their country so that they become part of our family.
0: You know, Andres, um your words remind me of um, a few months ago I saw some recordings of rock and roll um, concerts uh, with hundreds of thousands in Kyiv, and the public was in clear discrepancy in age um, compared to the performers. These were kids in their early 20s, and they knew all the songs word by word, by heart. I think this is telling in terms of how Ukrainians um, are um, are oriented in terms of foreign policy and in terms of values. And uh, Andras Simoni helped us make sense of rock and roll and freedom on the Eastern Front. Thank you so much, and of Orbán's games um, that are um, sort of the opposite of rock and roll. If you'd like, um, let's uh, um, let's wrap up. Then a big thank you again to Andras Simoni for helping us make sense of, of um, freedom and rock and roll on the Eastern Front. From me, Yulia Zorza, and my friends, Giselle Donnelly and Dalibu Thank you for listening to the Eastern Front, a podcast dedicated to security challenges that have erupted along the line from the Baltic to the Black Sea. You can find more episodes and additional content on our website, ai.org. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please get in touch with us on Twitter using the hashtag Eastern Front Pod in one word. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing us. Thank you, and until next time, goodbye.